Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. Well, we were continuing our Maximizing with Michelle series, and my guest today is Clint Arnold. Clint, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Wonderful. Uh, tell the audience about yourself. Who is Clint Arnold? Well, I am. I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, went to Archbishop Alter High School, where it was um, a Catholic school in the suburbs of Dayton. Okay. Um, so I didn't. I didn't go grow up in the public school systems. I went through. My parents sent me to Catholic schools from second grade all the way through high school. Oh wow! Back in the seventies and in uh, early eighties. So um, me and my sister actually integrated the. Catholic schools on the north side of Dayton in 1972, wow. which was a which was quite a quite a um, it was good tough but a wonderful experience uh, because mm-hmm. I still keep in touch with a lot of people at St Rita. So from there, um, grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Went to the University of Kentucky on a baseball scholarship. Oh, so the reason okay. I bring that up is baseball was my life. Oh wow! When I was a youngster, actually for. Um, all of those years, it paid for my undergrad education. Can't beat that. And uh, and I had a pretty good career. I was actually a decent player uh, over the years. Um, mm-hmm. As I I was the team captain my senior year and made all Southeast Conference. Um, um, and so I was baseball was my life, and I actually coached it for another uh, another fifteen seven to seventeen years um, after I finished oh, wow. my career and, um, had, a, had a lot of good teams over the years until my son went off to college. And then I kind of stopped the coaching, okay, okay. started corporate America. Um, when my professional career did not take off and your baseball, professional, yeah, baseball. Okay. Yeah. Baseball I didn't, pro. I, I didn't get drafted. You weren't drafted. Oh my goodness. So, um, I thought I was going <laughs> yeah. to be, it didn't. So, Finished up school, started working for the phone company uh, in the telecom industry, was there for 25 years, started out in a $5.65 an hour job while I finished up my last year of school. Okay, okay. And then when I retired 25 years later, I was actually a director running organizations that were several hundred million dollars big. Wow. So it wow. was uh, it was actually quite what a, fun, a trajectory. It, yeah, it, it was quite a fun journey um, um, during, the, during the years. And then... I got to travel literally all over the U.S. Um, all, as, all 50 states? Not all 50, but okay. quite a few. We were in 26 states. Okay. Um, GTE and then, of course, Verizon. Uh, right, when GTE right. and Bell Atlantic ver- merged in 2000, um, it became Verizon, which is what everybody knows now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so they moved me from Kentucky to Texas to Philadelphia to New Jersey, and then uh, transferred me here. This was my last relocation. Running and you this, stuck. Yeah, yeah, so for 25 yeah. years. So I then retired early at the ripe old age of 47. That is really early. Um, but it was it was a retirement, and kind of, it was kind of a forced retirement. We, we mm-hmm. could, we'll talk about that later when we talk right. about the, the section of uh, your book about uh, impactful things that happen in your mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I bought a business, uh, ran the Amco in South Charleston for six years, sold it in the middle of the pandemic in 2020, started teaching as a professor at West Virginia State University in 2018 mm-hmm. and loved it. Um, I mean, loved it to the point that I was like, 
I'm enjoying this. It was almost like I was enjoying it a little too much. <laughs> okay. Like it was like this. Was, it wasn't work. This was, no, mm-hmm. it was not work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had never had that. Or you know, it always I had always enjoyed what I was doing, but it was always work. Right, right, right. Uh, this wasn't work. And uh, it turned out that I was, you know, I was uh, okay. Uh, turned out I'm an okay professor, so I'm still doing that now. I'm uh, I teach all the marketing classes and entrepreneurship at West Virginia State University, and um, and then about eight months later, I was asked to be the um, interim CEO at um, Kisra. So, um, um, you know, and it was the, the current CEO had gotten sick at that time, and uh, I mean, it was a sad situation, and I knew uh, Mr. Mike Jones uh, pr- pretty well. Um, so, I obviously, I said I would love to help out. That's what I literally just came in to do was to help right, out right. and ended up enjoying it. Um, and so over the next 12 months, um, we've, you know, got, kind of gotten everything stabilized because after COVID, a lot of things stopped changed right, right. Um, so I enjoyed it so I get to teach coach and help people all day every day wow, wow. and um, I um, said that uh, I've told people many times it's like I don't go to work anymore so I've been married to my wife Trina for 37 years uh, I have two kids uh, Kristen and Barrett Kristen's 33 four kids with uh, Brand. she's married to Brandon who's a pastor live in Cincinnati. My son, Barrett, married to uh, Tyra Meadows, former Tyra Meadows. They have one one-year-old son, and um, um, he actually uh, just moved back to Charleston. Oh, so, okay. So uh, he's actually unloading his truck as we speak. Okay. Um, so there, he's going to be uh, relocating back here from Charlotte, um, and uh, Tyra his wife is going to be uh, is a med- is in the medical field and wants to go back to school at uh, Marshall get her uh, bachelor's degree in nursing. So, nice, um, nice. And, so you're a father, yeah. grandfather, husband, you're a professor, you're yeah. a nonprofit leader. Yeah. And then you've got a position in your church too, y- don't you? Y- yes, I do. I'm the executive pastor at Abundant Life Ministries, okay. uh, which means I I do the operations. I'm the I'm the behind I'm the behind the scenes person. So okay. I don't get up on Sundays and preach. I'm not called to do that, but I do. Like everything else, I like to serve, help, coach, right, teach right. Uh, behind the scenes. So that's what I do in my spare time, and and I'm also working on my doctorate at Marshall. So, a lot of hats. Yeah, a lot yeah. of hats. But we figure it out. You figure it out. So um, Clint is leading. Kisra, and that was my baby, <laughs> pretty much. Yes. So this is a very, a very interesting conversation. So how's it going? I mean, how is it going so far? Well, wonderful. Um, so when I got there, um, I came in as Mike. Like I said, Mike was sick, getting sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the programs, several of the programs, had you know with COVID, which impact, impacted everybody. Right. There right. were there were some grants that were lost. I'm not going to say lost. They were really shut down because we couldn't go into um, a lot of places right, that right. we were. So the size of the business had shrunk. Um, it was there was some you know people had been laid off um, like it was everywhere else. So my objective was to get it stabilized, mm-hmm. make sure that the grants that we had were renewed, grow them back out, uh, grow them up because some mm-hmm. of them had been reduced. Um, and then what other programs can we do to kind of restart once we got everything stabilized? So right. over the 15 months, we've done that successfully, 
rehired, you know, restaffed back to not the current levels like um, some of the some of the huge numbers that uh, when you were there. Um, but but we've we've actually grown a bit, the business up uh, quite a bit from 15 months ago. Picked up a couple of new programs, restarted the uh, housing affordable housing program. And uh, we're actually um, obviously continuing to apply for grants and um, uh, networking partnerships and doing a lot of different things. And that's probably the biggest thing that I've done is we, we we're actually in partnership with we've outsourced some things. Right. And one of one of my favorite projects at Kizra was the farm. Yes. And I was just thinking the other day, it's like, can I get my fresh veggies again? It's like, what is talk about the. What's going on with the farm? So uh, this is Paradise Farm. This is actually a a really cool story. So um, everything had basically stopped um, Mm -hmm. with COVID. Um, It was it was fun. When I got there, it was overgrown with weeds, which I had heard stories of how pretty it was. Oh my gosh, I got the best pictures. Yeah, Um, and it looks that way again. So what we did was um, because we didn't have the people in house, they had been laid off because of COVID and reductions. Um, I I partnered with the West Virginia Military Authority, mm-hmm. their ag division. Okay. Pa- their, theirs is called uh, Patriot Gardens. Okay. We were uh, no, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I guess it is. Pa- I'm trying to think of their name. It's an, it's an acronym. I should know it. Um, oh, I feel I totally silly now, but it's, but I'll just say it's the West Virginia military authority, agricultural Mm -hmm. division. And I partnered with them because they have actually some of the people that used to work at Kizra, Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Easton, he's running the farm again. Um, and, uh, between, I'm just going to say that I'll say their first name, Mel, Cindy, and some other folks Mm -hmm. that, um, that, that I've, that I've known for a few years, they're basically managing them, Brad, um, they're actually managing mm-hmm. the farm and uh, working with um, guards, you know, guard, veterans. National Guard. National Guard, veterans okay. that are actually some of the same clientele that we deal with at Kisra. Interesting. But they deal with the same type of clientele that have, you know, that are transitioning back into society. Right. It could be coming out of incarceration, mental issues, um, health issues, okay. Um, okay. Uh, recovery. Um, mm-hmm. So they're dealing with a similar clientele. It's just from a military perspective. Okay. Okay. Um, so we've actually partnered with them, gotten a couple of uh, USDA grant. Um, it's a nice, a nice grant where we're doing the programming, which mm-hmm. we're good at. They're managing the farm. Good. Um, so they're actually selling to markets around the city. So what's uh, growing? Uh, everything. Oh wow. So you have okay. everything from lettuce, strawberries, peppers. Multiple types of tomatoes. Swiss, Swiss chard was like my favorite. I, I think I learned about it because I think <laughs> that, I think it. that they have that. So okay. as you remember, in the two greenhouses, um, hydroponics yeah. was being used. So if you go in, um, I don't know. I, th- I know you took some pictures uh, over mm-hmm. there a few while, a few months ago. But if you go in the uh, one of the greenhouses, front to back, now there are all of the the grow trays. Okay. Front to back on two sides are full. Okay, that's awesome. Um, and on the right side, there are some uh, tomato plants that are connected to the roof, uh, okay, ra- some okay. raised beds. And then outside, between the two greenhouses, mm-hmm. all of the raised beds are full. That is wonderful to hear. Um, and they that have is wonderful to chicken, hear. The chicken coop is being There's used There's chicken again. there, too? Yes. Okay. 
So they've cleaned that they've using the chicken coops. They even had rabbits in a little pen. Um, that's uh, out that's there. pretty good. That's that's great so, to hear. That was so, that was one of my favorite yes, favorite projects. Yes, wonderful. So yes, it's actually back to life and in full swing. That is so good to hear. We gotta get down there and get some veggies. Yes. So what does this series is about maximizing impact? What does maximizing impact mean to you? To me, that means what am I doing in order to leveraging the resources, the education, the training, the businesses, Mm -hmm. the tools that I have at my disposal in order to help as many people as possible achieve their uh, their dreams, Mm -hmm. get them back into society, Um, teaching at West Virginia State. How can I help those students? Make sure that they are maximizing their efforts outputs right, uh, when right, they right. leave when they leave West Virginia State University. The programs that we do at Kisra, mm-hmm. um, what what can we do to make sure that we help them transition successfully back into society? Right, right. So right. you know, one of the mission that you came up with, um, which is still hanging up on the wall in your old office, is um, you know, economic basically allowing enabling people to be economically self sustaining. Mm-hmm. If you remember the, uh, the 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 little picture, I picked fat, it was sitting on a shelf. I hung it back up again. Wow. Um, so that's what I think maximum impact is. How can I use what I know, what I've learned, right, right. the resources that we have in order to help people uh, achieve their dreams, goals, and get them back up on their feet. Absolutely. That's that's what it's all about. Yes. That is what empowering, lifting people up. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I see you have my book, Maximizing Impact, Success yes. Strategies for Dynamic Nonprofits. Uh, what chapter or chapters spoke to you? What what resonated with you and why? Well, there was there was one. I'm, I'm, I want to make sure I get the chapter right. It was mm-hmm. actually the one that had your story. Um, was it chapter two? Which which part of the story about? Well, let me see. Part of it was think long and hard before jumping in. It's a marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that was. I'm trying to remember the. Was it about the uh, building your team? I think yes, that's where, yeah. building your team. That that's yeah. the one. And so, a lot of people go through life as you were talking about your story and how you were at Dow Chemical and then it's like something carbide, just, yeah. or car. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. carbide wasn't something wasn't clicking, mm-hmm. and you stopped, started working at the church. Mm-hmm. You were spending a lot of hours at the church, if I remember the story lot, correctly. Lots. I couldn't wait to get to the church. You, you were working at the church, and then um, and then you were basically putting the foundation in place for um, uh, for Kisra to be born back in I can't remember what year. I guess ninety nine early nineties ninety three. Because I actually made the big the switch in ninety eight. Okay. So ninety three is when stuff started. Yeah. Right. That's when you filed the articles. The, the business was formed and in actually someone else filed the articles okay. even before i got in fact we were passing in the wind they filed the paperwork yeah and left and then i came to town you know to be an engineer right yeah so what what struck me was um and, I, and the rest of the book wonderful but sometimes people never get to the place where to do what they're called to do mm-hmm I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the years that it's like, well, I've been working at Carbide for 40 years. I hate my job, but it pays the bills. It pays the bills, and they just... And like, I'm and I'm, it, I'm doing it until I retire, and then I'll maybe have some fun. Right. Or in my case, you know, the 
the career I came from, the telecom industry all the time, 30 years, 35, 40 years. Mm -hmm. And I hate the job, but it pays the bills. Right. So what do you want to do with your life? Well, I wanted to be A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, why didn't you ever do that? Well, I started working and kids, mortgage, and had bills to life. pay. Life, life. happens, yeah. and, I, and I never left. And you hear the story about you know the most um, the you know, most valuable piece of real estate in the world is the graveyard because that's where all these dreams go mm -hmm. to die. Mm -hmm. So um, um, I think that if people can figure out what it is that you're called to do, that your the impact that you can have on not just your own life, your peace, mm -hmm. solitude, fulfillment goes up two, three, four hundred exponentially uh, mm -hmm. because most people never find what that is. Now, in our case, in my case, um, um, I was with the you know with Verizon mm -hmm. and Frontier the last three years, twenty you know twenty five years. And um, while I had a you know stellar career, I could, you know I was the last year I was there, you know, great review, bonus payout. I had all that stuff. Mm -hmm. but they didn't want me there. I was an old guy making too much money in their eyes. I was 47, but I was, you know, mm -hmm, I was I was on mm -hmm. the I was on the higher end of the what I was doing just being uh, at, at that level. And they wanted somebody else in the job. And there was nothing I could do about it. Yeah. As I look back, mm -hmm. I could have done anything, done a lot of different things, uh be, but I was, you know, I was fat, dumb and happy and I was working hard. I mean, cuz that's just right. the, the nature of the beast. That's the way I am. But that was God's way of pushing me out mm -hmm. in order to start doing the other, pushing me down the path that I ended up going right. on to get me where I am today. I wouldn't have figured out what I was, I wouldn't be doing what I'm called to do mm -hmm. if I, if that, if he hadn't created the situation that would have right. forced me to move. That's right. That's right. I would have been sitting right there. So that would be my, um, the most impactful is for people to look at where are you. If you looked at your life movie, I actually mm -hmm. do this exercise with students. If you look at your life movie, where what does my life movie look like? I'm the main mm -hmm. character in it. These are all of the players. And then you say, this is my current life movie, but how do I want my movie to end? Right, right. So you kind of redo your movie and say, this is where I want to be. And then you kind of map out a plan because you talked about plans and strategies plan, and yeah, tactics. Got, you got to um, you to How do I get where I want to be? A lot of people don't know how, well, mm -hmm. I want to do this, but I'm here and I don't know how to get there. Um, right. And that's what I would suggest to people to take a look at. I don't care where you are in your life. Mm -hmm. To take a look at where are you in your life. And as long to me, as long as you have breath, as long as you can get up in the morning, it's not too old to go after your dreams Absolutely. or to go after your vision. Absolutely. Um, I actually just did that with a friend of mine from high school who, um, and I'm not going to say her name because uh, she, she may listen to this and I don't, I'm not going to embarrass her. <laughs> she would probably laugh, but she's my age, grew up across the street from each other in Dayton, mm -hmm. Ohio. Mm -hmm. Life happened. She went to school at Sinclair Community College, Ohio State University, but she always wanted to be a um, BA. Um, a, she said, a pharmacist or work in the legal field. Mm -hmm. So um, in talking to her um, after her, her mom died, which I was mm -hmm. dear friends with the family because literally we grew up across the right. street my whole youth until I went off to college. 
we were talking after the funeral, and I'm like, so, hey, tell me about, you know, what you've been doing your your life since, you know, the past mm-hmm. 40 years. So she said, started working at GM, you know, had, you know, had a family, and um, I just, this is what I wanted to do, but I never did it. So I asked her why. And she stopped, literally, we were on the phone, and she just got really quiet, and I could hear this, like, regret. Mm-hmm. And I said, so, because I work in academia now, my thought, my wheel started turning. It's like, hmm, so I'm just going to ask her this question. I say, so what's stopping you from going back to school? And she said, well, I'm, she said, I'm 58. I'm like, I'm, I'm like 38 years into a career at, um, you know, at, at GM. She right, works for right. GM. She said she's been moved. She moved. She lives in Missouri working at the plant. She said, I got a few more years and I can retire. I said, so you didn't answer my question. <laughs> What's stopping you from going back to school? And she said, I'm too old. I'm like, no, you're not. So I kind of flipped it on her. I said, I'm 58. I just started on my doctorate at Marshall at 58. Mm-hmm. And I'm, one, I'm already one year in. A couple more years, I'll be done. You, you'll be and I can keep Arnold. doing what I want to, mm-hmm. I'm, what I'm called to do. So did some research. So this is actually a true story. Recent, like this is still happening. Mm-hmm. Um, did some research. She found a couple of... Um, uh, America, she wanted to get back, go and get her paralegal bachelor's degree. She had an associate from Sinclair from 1984, but never used it. Okay, okay. Got her into a, got her into EKU, sent her transcripts. I helped her do the analysis because that's what part of what I do in you know advising stuff at uh, state. So I knew how to do it, knew what to ask. Mm-hmm. Helped her with the um, talking to the people at EKU, the advisors, admission people. So guess what? She applied, got accepted only needs 10 classes to finish her bachelor's degree because they accepted all of her all of her work so wonderful so if you sometimes you just take a little step of faith and you just never know how god sends people you in never, your life god has a way of orchestrating so she's going to finish her degree i joked with her i said you're going to graduate before i do in all these years, you were just thinking, "There's no way I'm going to be able." To. I said, "You only need ten classes. You know, Look at that. Look eight at week, that. eight week, eight week sessions. You can take two or three at a time, and you'll be done in a year." Look at and that. And GM pays for the education, so she won't even have to pay for it. There you go. So you go. sometimes just taking a stance, asking asking a question, and just don't be don't be afraid. Not being afraid, absolutely. To step out, and that you know, part of your uh, book, you talk about it's not a uh, it's a marathon. Um, yeah. and it's, it's not going to happen it, overnight. It takes persistence and it takes mm-hmm. a little bit of faith, a lot of bit of faith, a lot of faith, um, a, lot a lot of, of hard faith. work, a lot of mm-hmm. determination, overcoming problems, conflicts, res- you know, all of that stuff, mm-hmm. I think, uh, plays a big part in it. So that's how I'm, um, I'm still answering your, how do you make maximum impact? Those are one of the ways that I do it is I, Sometimes I guess I guess I get things thrown at me, and I try not to miss an opportunity to help somebody. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's fun. So what do you know now? You've been at with Kizra now in the nonprofit sector for eighteen, fifteen months. Fifteen months. Yeah. So what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first said, "Yeah, I'm going to help out." Um. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would have started working with the looking for the partnership sooner. More partners, okay. Sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that the right people are in the right places. 
in terms of staff in terms of staffing mm-hmm. um, because some, sometimes uh, with nonprofits it's not like the world like like Verizon you, I had departments you know when I was a director I right, had a, right. you know there was an HR department and a finance department oh yeah yeah you don't and have a, all and, those and, departments and, when and, you're a community based nonprofit and, and right. a marketing department and you had yeah. a human resource department well yeah. you are all of a those lot of that. departments <laughs> Uh, I mean, you, you'll have people in functions, yeah. but typically you have people serving multiple roles. In that's how, the, that's, um, so yeah. you have to be multidisciplined and able to mm-hmm. you know, move and shift and adjust and adapt fairly quickly. So you have to have some people that are like chameleons, mm-hmm. hardworking chameleons that are in the organization to help you achieve the goals. Um, so that would be the... Uh, the big now the what helped me with that faster is once you start recognizing ah eh, their skills are here I need to move them here they're doing something that they're they're doing it because somebody they have to mm-hmm. but that's not the best fit so as I've moved a few people around um, it actually has made us more efficient and more people happier by trying to make sure that we have pe- the right people in the right places doing the right jobs. Right. Um, and we've brought in a few new people just because we've restaffed uh, some That's of the positions. Great. But um, and we actually have people now that they're doing a job that they're on paper supposed to do, but they may be helping write grants. So I'm getting people trained on how to mm-hmm. do grants. So there's three or four people that can do it, and not just mm-hmm. me. I mean, I've written quite a few grants over the years, not as many as you. Um, <laughs> You've uh, got time. Uh, so it's only fifty. <laughs> 15 months. Uh, no, but I've, uh, you know, you're, you're legendary with the, <laughs> with the, with the number of grants and the, the, the work, the stuff that you brought in. So, um, um, and I'm saying that in a positive way that you're because of the, you know, you've got your, you're good at it, really good at it. Um, and, it and it really just evolved yeah. out of necessity. Really, you said, <laughs> understand it's like, you do what you have right to do. Right or die. You know? So, so I'm just trying to spread out the resources and, and make sure people that's and good. always make sure we have a bench. That's good. So, and that's some some of that is like it's like when you're starting an organization, it's almost like being an entrepreneur where you're doing so much yourself, right? And then getting to the point where you start delegating more—that is something I wish I had done more of. Okay. As I reflect, yeah. it's like I wish I had built a bench, yeah. but it's like you get so caught up in the right the day to day, and you're just, just really you're, taking the time right. to parcel out different roles it's something i wish i had done a better job yeah, at. yeah yeah so but that's part of the corporate training mm-hmm. and the um the the human resource training and making sure you're using your talent that was one of the mm-hmm. things that i that verizon taught me well right right was you always have a bench if something happened to me mm-hmm. is the organization going to keep going if i if i if i disappeared tomorrow right and we we've, we've been we went through those those yeah. like strategic plannings like the Mack truck effect it's right like, right you just never it, know it, you just it, these days man it's just like yeah. Ooh, it, yeah. it is so, scary so, you just, um, so whether it's grant writing or whether it's running the programs or doing reports mm-hmm. lots of reports ma- managing the finances the taxes mm-hmm. all of the different things that have to be done it's um, you know if if something happened to any key person. What happens? What happens? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so uh, the other thing is making sure that um, that I've learned is managing a for-profit and a non-profit. It's not that different, other than um, the 
you still have to manage it's you the still business, it's still the, a business. business it's still and i talk about that in one of the earlier chapters yeah. it's still a business, it's a business. and people you still have to, a business. the only difference is you're not distributing the profits to shareholders exactly. or owners exactly you're just exactly. reinvesting it you're in putting it back into the programming so, so i actually tell my students that that i teach um, um, is the difference between a profit, I said, there really isn't other than your uh, th- where you get your funding is different. Mm-hmm. You're not selling widgets, right? Per se, right? You're providing you're, a service. You're providing a service, so right. that's a little different. But you still have to bring in revenue, and it has to have some kind of profit margin, Ideally, because you have <laughs> so you- overhead and you have salaries to pay that aren't necessarily directly related to the programs. You have building maintenance. Um, you know, you have to clean. But if, the but if you need the building to operate the program, so it's right. like you need to make sure that correct your funders understand that right, and yeah. so that when they give you when you get a grant, you can't. Um, you need to try to minimize it where they say, well, you can't use this for overhead. It can only be used for the program. It's like, well, but we got to make sure you negotiate. Right. Yeah, correct. Those, that so, so those are those are things that you just have to take into account and understand. Um, clarity on how to manage those um, negotiations and uh, the grant request and uh, the details that you absolutely, sign up for. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So what aspects of the, your work with Kizer are you most proud of? Um, I, some of, I talked about it earlier. When I came in. The partnerships. The to, partnerships yeah. that we've put in place. So we're partners with the West Virginia Military Authority, but mm-hmm. we're also partners with PAC. Right. So the after-school program. I heard that. That is um, wonderful. So that was um, that was shut down a few years ago. Wasn't making money. It was. It was. There were a few struggles. It was. It was I think it was hard for them to get the funding. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So there were a few things going on with that, mm-hmm. but we brought it back. So um, I'm letting Pack. Pack is running it. They're using wow. the building, the lower. So if you you know the building, the lower right side. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's that's their wing. And it's packed uh, every day, Good. full of kids. And they actually just got finished doing a uh, summer program doing um, STEM robotics training. Okay. Uh, getting the is there an Energy Express there this year? Because uh, that used Energy Express summer reading. I don't know. Probably. Not. I don't okay. know. I don't okay. know. But they after they finished with the STEM program, mm-hmm. which was one of the, it was a United Way grant that we had gotten that funded nice. the um, all of the kits. So good, they actually good, did good. it at our location at the Martin Luther King Center, and I think in, they brought the kids in from Rand as well. That's so, wonderful, wonderful. Um, so I think they they had thirty five to forty kids a day. Um, that is amazing. And they're, they're and they're just finishing that up. Um, so partnerships was so partnerships was a big one. Uh, the stabilizing after COVID, mm-hmm. um, some of the grants had been reduced, so we went and renegotiated a couple, got them back up to previous levels uh, as we staffed up to handle it going back into dhhr locations going back into some of the prisons um getting back into the schools with the uh, prep program which is the um where we're basically talking about healthy choices i'm not sure if that was there when you yeah it was prep yeah promoting responsible responsible education that's it that's it that's it so um um, and then uh so there's prep the spokes program where Mm -hmm. we we talk to train people on uh, basically, life skills a lot, whether from financial, uh, financial all, education, all those soft healthy, skills, healthy choices, much, yeah. all of those things. Um, so that's what I'm probably most proud of is to stabilize it and then growing the partnerships. And then we've gotten a couple of grants, uh, one one large grant with uh, the military authority, as a direct result of our partnering with them. That's they wonderful. needed us, we needed them, and we were able win to, win. We were able to get the yeah. USDA grant um, because prior to that. 
they couldn't get it because they needed a our, they needed a partner like us. Okay. And okay. we wouldn't have been able to get it because you we needed, needed a partner, partner like, like them. That's wonderful. So together, we our programs and their programs perfect, work nicely together. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So what resources would you need to take your programming to the next level, to take Kizzer to the next level? Um, keep improving and expanding the skills of the people we have. Um, of, the, as, of your team. Right, okay. of the team that we have. So mm-hmm. I want them to become better at what they're doing, but then also learn other things. Mm-hmm. So that's one um, a resource. Um, as, we, as we continue to grow... Um, I'm looking to um, have more of a uh, like an operations type manager that can help me oversee as we because there's only so much that you know the leader can do by themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only so many hours in the day. Um, so to make sure that we have the proper leadership in place that understands strategy tactics okay. and how mm-hmm. to hold people uh, accountable in a positive right. way uh, with uh, with what needs to be done um, and bring in fresh blood. So um, one of the things that I've done quite well, and this is the beauty of me working at State and uh, uh, being at Kisra, is every semester I'm bringing in two or three or four interns. Nice. So, okay. uh, But I'm also, because of my connections to the community, I'm spreading the interns, not just, I don't hoard them, right, even right. though I could. Uh, so they're doing real marketing work, redoing the website, updating the website, Good. Helping write grants, learn how to write grants, um, working on, you know, with uh, with our operations manager on the things that they can see from a, how do the finances work. So uh, remember, these are business students. Good. So Good. Um, so and then great resource. Um, so bringing in those additional resources and I've actually hired one. As a um, as a as as a, as they graduated last December, I actually hired one of the interns um, to come work for me for okay. Kisra after they graduated. Nice. So nice. I um, like that. so the other partnerships is like we actually split some with that work with me because I wanted them to get nonprofit experience, and then I partnered with um, um, Angela Mayfield at. Um, Realty, um, better homes and gardens. Yes. So they worked with her, so they can understand how does um, how do you deal with customers professionally sell, um, and then how does the the for profit world work? So we actually had two interns that split their summer or their spring. Mm-hmm. Half the time was with me. Half the time was with Angela and her team. Going to um, uh, going out into the community, learning like, well, how do you like if you wanted to understand the real estate world, but then how does the business work? Okay, okay. So because one of the classes they took was professional selling. Well, um, I, I don't know if you know Angela, but she's one I of do. the yeah. she's one of the better agents, salespeople as far as dealing and managing customers that I've that I've run across. Um, now I, I don't know a lot of real estate agents, but you know Duke and Angela and a few mm-hmm, of them. But Duke mm-hmm. is really good at what he does too. Um, but uh, but they but they've actually hung out with her, and she may bring a couple of them back that may be interested in becoming real estate agents. So um, and then Jennifer Farr, you know, working okay. with the, working with the credit union, um, uh, Don Wilson. Mm-hmm. I have two insurance that interns that have worked with Capital Insurance Group. He actually hired one of them. Um, so, so I'm doing. Uh, That's wonderful. I didn't, of, I didn't realize you were doing that too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing. So those are resources. So I'm actually thinking of the future. Where can I get the younger generation involved? Understand how things work um, with uh, with what they're doing. That is wonderful. 
as you kind of think about, because you're always about helping others. So if you run into someone who's thinking about starting a program similar to one of the ones or an organization similar to Kizra, what advice would you give them? Um, make sure that you plan what you want to do first. Mm-hmm. Because um, you can have the best idea. So I, I do a lot of entrepreneurship training mm-hmm. um, on weekends, mm-hmm. uh, actually, through um, um, you have the Greater Canal Valley yeah, Foundation yes, yes, has yes. funded this program for I the past recall. Yes. for the past three years. It's called Opening Soon. Mm-hmm. And so we actually train people on how to start a business, grow a business, or take an idea from idea concept to launch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you understand how a business works. Right. Make sure you understand the numbers. Now, this doesn't mean that you, you need to be the accountant and the finance person. Right, right. But you need to understand how a business works from A to Z so that you can be competent when you do start, whether it's a for-profit or a non-profit business. So take the time to take plan. Take the time to plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you just have a great idea and just say, I'm going to go open up my doors, and you're not... You, you don't, don't know you, about cash flow. You don't know... Yeah. Oh, my God. Cash flow is the killer. Yes, yes. If you don't have enough startup cash, which means how much cash do I need before I generate my first dollar of income mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. revenue whether it's uh, in a grant or whether you're selling widgets, right. you're doomed before you start. And right. then how much am I going to need in order to operate the business on a day-to-day basis for the first three, four, five, six months? Mm-hmm. So that you don't run out, you don't go out of business in six months before you really get started. And that's where um, one of the reasons, part of my research in my dissertation mm-hmm. is success of minority businesses. Well, one of the big reasons for that 80% of businesses, you actually have this data in the stat in the book, I think, um, 80% of businesses fail within the first couple of years. Well, one of the big reasons is cash flow and mm-hmm. startup cash. And how do you, when you run into a problem, how do you fix it? Right, right. So that would be my biggest is take the time to understand what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. You can understand the nonprofit, whatever you want to do, as you can be an expert at it. Right. But if you don't understand how you translate that into a viable operational business over mm-hmm. a long-term basis, and I don't mean I want to run it for two years and then I'm going to retire. Right. It doesn't usually work that right. way. Right. But I mean, how do I sustain this over an extended period of time? And even if I wanted to sell it to somebody else so that they can come in and take over, so that you want to leave it in good shape. Exactly. That exactly. would be my biggest recommendation is... Make sure you understand. Talk to somebody like me or you. Talk to somebody who's been or, or who's, who's been through it, it yes. Um, yes. And, and and have somebody that cares enough to take it to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I don't tell people when I'm coaching them. I don't tell them just that. Yeah, it's a great idea. Let's go do it. I'm asking you a hundred questions after you tell me the idea. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about this? Let me see your plan. Let me see some numbers. Do you know how to build your numbers? Do you know what the difference between Profit and loss and cash flow is and timing. Do you understand how that works? And usually the answer is no, I hadn't thought about that. Well, you have right. to. Absolutely. So those are the things that I would say. That's, is, that's uh, all, all good. Yes. And I, I really like how you kind of intersect the for-profit and non-profit because it's similar skills. So, yes. It's similar skills that you need for yes. both type of organization, isn't it? Yes, it is. So, you know, you, you work with challenging populations. We're living in some rough times. What gives you hope? As you look to the future, what gives you hope? 
There are more good people in this world than bad. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Yeah. The problem is the bad people work so hard. They work harder than we do Mm -hmm. at spreading chaos, confusion, uh, wanting to see the world burn. Right. Is I that's a line from a Batman movie. Um, <laughs> um, there's some people that just want to watch the world burn. I think that what gives me hope is like um, people like you running organizations, you know, like the Greater Canal Valley Foundation and Kisra and West Virginia State University and UC and Marshall. Um, as I've gotten to know a lot of people in mm-hmm. the world that do a lot of good things, is we have to keep we have to work harder at doing good as the, the 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 crazy evil mean people do at spreading at being chaos bad, at, yeah, i think we have to be more diligent um because for some reason it seems like bad spreads faster than good mm-hmm. and i think we just have to keep grinding away at doing the positive things that we do on a day-to-day basis and drown out the noise um, yeah, and that, good, and that's that's what that's what my uh, that's what gives me hope is that I see the people that are trying that are doing good. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying trying; they're doing good. Right, right, right. We just need to keep spreading it, um, mm-hmm. which is part of this, you know, this shirt that I'm wearing that they can't see it on the on the here. But see something. See, do see something, something. Do something. Yes, so if yes. you see something that needs to be done, do it, mm-hmm. and don't expect somebody else to do it that's because right, the right. because typically they won't. So mm-hmm. why not us? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Clint. It's been a pleasure having you on my podcast, and it's it's uh, been great to hear uh, the updates about Kizra yeah. and yeah. what's what's going on, and things are growing in so many ways. That's it. Kizra is growing yes. in in many many ways. So, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Are you thinking about starting a new nonprofit organization? Are you with an organization now and would like to take it to the next level? Are you on a board or committee of a nonprofit and want to make sure that you're being effective? Then I have the answer for you. My new book, Maximizing Impact, Success Strategies for Dynamic Nonprofits. I wrote this book to share my journey and the secrets of my success. Learn the essentials of designing and implementing a program, finding money for that program, evaluating that program to make sure that you're making an impact, and so much more. Maximizing Impact, Success Strategies for Dynamic Nonprofits by me, Dr. Michelle Foster. Be inspired, be informed, and access invaluable resources. Get your copy today.